Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 4, Episode 18 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's slated to come out on November the 15th, 2021, and uh, it's not really in between anything, but it is kind of between seasons, you know, birthday seasons, Happy Meal seasons, terrible holiday seasons, but today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit more summery. A country wine that's a watermelon muscadine wine. Now, Ricky has been fawning over these wines that he's been getting from a local farmer's market. He's been trying to get me to try them, and uh, he brought this one because, you know, I kind of like these, like, country fruit wines. Um, They're one of my things. But this one's probably not for me, you know, health purposes, but, man, it sounds good. It is a watermelon muscadine wine. Sweet Red Table Wine, and it's made by the Country Squire Winery in, uh, I think it's Raleigh, North Carolina. I think it's Warshaw. Warshaw, North Carolina, sorry. And uh, I'm looking for the ABV, but I know that it's made in North Carolina. So, um, But it's 12% ABV, so it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, amount mm-hmm. of alcohol by volume. So, uh, I know you had it before, but I'm going to let you talk about it while I take some sips. Oh, yeah. This one, absolutely love. Uh, I got to find out how to get it online because this one I got at the fair. And, man, they had a bunch of good wines there. This was absolutely the best one. Um, It's sweet. It's got that melony flavor to it. It's almost like a little bit like a watermelon, like Jolly Rancher, that kind of flavor profile. But uh, I think this one's called, like, the Granddaddy Smokehouse, something like that. And uh, it does have that little bit of smoky flavor to it at the end, which is really nice. Oh, that's right. It did ha- it has something other than um, watermelon muscadine on it. It says Granddaddy Smokehouse right on the front. Um, pretty cool. Uh, so just smelling it, and I got, like, a quick sip of it just a second ago. It's um, It's got a very kind of, so I don't know if you put like some salt on your um, watermelon mm-hmm. when you were younger and sometimes you'd like, you know, have some other things to get on it. Sometimes I get a little salt and pepper on my plate where I had the watermelon on there and then this would like get near the coleslaw or something mm-hmm. and get that on it. Mm-hmm. Um, or I said this, the watermelon would. That's what that smells like to me. It smells like sitting out on the... And like in the backyard on my uh, grandparents had like this big patio thing that was also like a, a driveway that they had con- had, had um, concrete poured over. And sometimes we'd put like in the summer a table outside and go sit in it and like the whole family, multiple families would get together. It just kind of brings back that sort of thing, eating watermelon, you know, having uh, maybe some grapes and some fruit and some cheese and coleslaw and um, macaroni pie and man just like roast and and ham yeah kind of get like all those none of those flavors are in here but all of that memory mm-hmm. is kind of in yeah it, it tastes a lot like like a southern summer mm-hmm. you know all those little events you do all that just sitting outside it it's one of my favorites um, there's another place I think we've talked about, the, the Chatham Winery in Cary, mm-hmm. which has some good muscadines. Um, 
I'd have to taste them side by side to see if I prefer this one versus their like traditional old red. But this is one of those. This is what I feel like I find a way to get it online because that's there's always going to be a bottle of that in my house. Like that's a bottle of wine that I've had a, 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 a rough day, maybe at work, maybe just with the kid. Me and my wife would just kill a bottle of this in one sitting. We just sit down to a movie and finish that off. So yeah, good. I could see that. It's fairly easy to drink too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually got some nice. So normally muscadine wines are kind of watery. They're not very oily, um, at least the ones that I've had. And even though it doesn't have legs in the glass as much, uh, it's got like a nice tongue. Like it kind of coats the tongue. Yeah, it's got a good mouthfeel. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it. I suggest it if you can get it. You totally should. Um, if you shoot me that link, I'll put it in the podcast notes. Oh, yeah, when, absolutely. When we put this out. But, um, yeah. This is a, it's a good one. I'm not going to have any more because I can tell you this thing is super sweet. It is sweet. Yeah. It is. It, it um, but it's, it's also like I can feel the alcohol in it. So it's, it's got like that. All the things. It kind of reminds me of the. For a completely different reason, like the, the flavor profile, not mm. like the sense memories. But I made that hopped mead that had a little bit of bitterness and was like. 16% ABV, but it's like, um, it's gravity's like 1.04, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, so it's like still like a, a really high gravity. Kind of reminds me of that, uh, as, as far as like the way it makes the mouth feel. Yeah, better. I can see that. Um, so let's talk about back sweetening uh, brews and like kind of what we've experienced over the last year with doing that. Because I like my stuff like a little drier. Mm-hmm. And we've had a couple of brews that we've back sweetened and had a couple of things that we've done or I've done uh, over the last year that have been like 1.02, which to me is a fairly sweet um, brew. 1.01 is probably what I would consider to be like medium sweet. Now, some people, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're like, this is semi-sweet, is 1.02 yeah. and lower, uh, and then 1.02 to like 1.0. 05 or something like that it's like semi-sweet for me you know semi-sweet starts getting closer to one yeah no, i agree one. with you i think 1.04 is when dessert begins which is like the sweetest category right right and i definitely try not to make dessert wines too mm-hmm. often um but i think the 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 reason that i'm talking about this i know that some people listen to us and we've talked a lot the last like year year and a half about um brewing because it's just been, I mean, that's one of the things that we, we do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there, we don't, we talk about like, oh, this is a dry wine, or we do this, but we don't really talk about like why, or the methodology why we do like the back sweetening, or the, mm-hmm. this, this particular technique around this. And I think it's important to know like what the scale is before you start going into those talks. So, you know, it is, when I say a sweet wine, I don't mean like sugary sweet. I mean, like it is, you know, this wine or a little bit less, and it's got a sweetness to it that is above any of the other, like it's forward of any of Mm. the other kind of things that the wine is doing. Where I prefer wines that the sweetness takes a back seat a bit to those things the more of a backseat it takes generally the way i that's the way i like wines and meads and beers and things like that right mm-hmm. um 
But you, on the other hand, you're kind of the opposite way. You like it to be a little bit more forward, right? Yeah. I like a little bit of that sweet at the beginning because I feel like it brings out a lot of good flavors to it. And a lot of it is also like mouthfeel. You know, there's a reason they call them dry versus wet. You know, the wines with more residual sugar in them, they're like almost like hydrating. It's like drinking some water. There's some like juice left in your mouth. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you've gone past that point and you're now, yeah, I don't hit the mic. (laughs) I can hear it now. I'm wearing headphones now too. And now I understand what Joe always says. Sorry, Um, I hit the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, those dry wines do leave your mouth feeling like a little bit dry. It's almost like they wick a little bit of moisture out of you, which Mm -hmm. is what's actually happening. It's just that, you know, all those other things in them are like sticking on your tongue more, which makes it kind of feel like it's drier. But, you know, there, there's that little bit of like mouthfeel to it as well. Yeah. So I think that what we'll start doing maybe when we start talking about a wine that we do, we'll include like whether or not we felt like this one needed back sweetening, like anything that we do, mm-hmm. what our methodology for back sweetening it was, and kind of letting you understand that scale, kind of reminding you of this episode we talked about that scale, and this is what that was kind of mm-hmm. like. Right. Um, yeah. So quick topic on brewing let's talk about uh the pdp the personal cd player shootout methodology that we're going to have uh mm-hmm. coming up here pretty soon it, it we're recording this all on the day that we did the personal cd player shootout but this episode's coming up as kind of like a precursor to that mm-hmm. and we just want you guys to know how that kind of went or not how that went i'm sorry how the methodology of that kind of goes so um, I made a contraption. It was a thing. I wouldn't say it was a great thing, but it was a thing. I don't know. It was pretty good. I liked it. <laughs> um, but it's a box. It had some shelves in it. Uh, it's a cardboard box. It wasn't like a wooden box. I just took like a cardboard box, cut a hole in the back of it, fed some wires through it, that sort of thing. Uh, but put four CD players in it. Uh, three of them had line out. Uh, three of them were Sony. One was an old RCA, like the oldest CD player, personal CD player that I own. And then one of them just connected from the headphone jack out uh, that still had volume control and everything. And basically, we had an RCA switch and uh, fed into a shit um, headphone amp uh, and uh, listening with some Sennheiser uh, HD 569s. And, uh, you know, just kind of seeing if we could determine which of those uh, CD players was which. And now you'd listened to all, all four of them before. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I've shown, I showed them to you, everything like that. Um, am I leaving anything out? I don't think so. Oh, I am leaving something out. Scorecard, maybe? Uh, well, yeah, we, we got a scorecard. Uh, we got my wife to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, because we weren't sure that we were like tricking ourselves and, um, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but, uh, in the, it's either going to be the next episode or the episode after that, we're going to talk about like how that kind of turned out. Um, the fact that I've been listening to these CD players through the line out for like two months, month and a half. We've had them about that long and you haven't. You know, which was a point of comparison we were trying to mm-hmm. do for, for like a thing and how that kind of turned out and if we might do something like an mp3 player shootout because we could do the same thing with like a bunch of iPods um, or yeah. some Zunes maybe 
or something like that, you know. So see if we can tell the difference between these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not. We're also not sure if maybe the headphone amp was coloring the the um, results of the of of what what we got out of this. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think I got things right. Um. So, have you seen that the uh, Steam Deck was delayed? Yeah, I did. It's it's a little sad, but at the same time, it wasn't as big a delay as I expected. Because it was always in the back of my mind, like, I mean, really, with the chip shortage, how fast you're going to push these things out. Um, so, you know, a two-month delay, that's not too bad. I'm if, only talking about it. Or, like, I only put it in here because I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Um, but I, I like I don't, two months. What's the mm. big deal? Video games that I'm excited about that weren't affected at all by, you know, the chip shortage or anything like that have been delayed longer. Yeah. My, yeah. my complete reckless speculation is I know there's kind of this talk of another Valve VR headset coming out at yeah. some point. Yep. And I'm wondering, like, is there going to be some Steam Deck integration there? Can you use the Steam Deck to be additional? So it's supposed to be it? kind of like the leak is. It's supposed to be like an Oculus Go, mm-hmm. right? So it's a standalone headset. But, or, or like even like the Quest kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the, the guts of it are the Steam Deck guts. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's kind of that same build out. All right. Yeah, yeah I was wondering, because um, I've been doing on my Oculus... Um, there's still like cabled one. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about meta later. But, no, no, not at all. But uh, I wasn't even going to mention it. I was going to completely yeah. ignore everything that had to do <laughs> with that and just be like, no, that didn't exist. That not, not only does that not exist as a company anymore to me, that just doesn't exist. And I'm yeah. not going to talk about barbecue sauce. I'm not going to talk about any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I will say I, I've been watching, you know, mine's all still hooked up, but I've been. Uh, watching people do the like air link which is now over wireless yeah and supposedly they've got that working really really well well that so technology's wonder- been around for a bit and um well the they- vi- the not the vive yeah the vive was the pioneer for that and it yeah worked well, really they, well, well they've got some proprietary stuff in there they built some software suites to try and like bridge the gap in latency and stuff like mm-hmm. that and uh you know there's always been problems with op- if you're going to have the Oculus thing, they have their own store, and I'm not about that. So I've yep. always just done it still through SteamVR, and that gets a little funky sometimes. But they've like, and so there's like, you know, Open Composite and all these third party tools. They've built their own little internal, like, virtual desktop thing to hook up with it uh-huh. that supposedly works just incredible. Hmm. So they found like software ways to make it even better on the wireless. So I'm hoping, or at least I was wondering, speculating, uh, maybe not if the gear is going to kind of be the same on the inside. If there was going to be that sort of like Steam Deck will be a little bit more powerful hardware you can connect to wirelessly and it'll run your headset for you. I'm I'm fairly positive that that's the direction they're going because the that they were already kind of going that direction with the um, index, mm-hmm. and this I think the index is going to be like the premium tier, and this is all speculation. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm not saying one thing or another. The index is going to be like the premium tier, and then I thought they were going to call it like the Alex. I don't know if that's right. Uh, I might be wrong about that, so don't take that as like the word. Mm-hmm. But the 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 Steam Deck is like your handheld. It's going to be the Switch competitor, yeah. And then you'll have the um, the Oculus competitor being mm-hmm. this other one. I think. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So the last thing is something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, it's a little weird. 
we're both network engineers, but you're more of a developer. Mm-hmm. I'm really more of like an architect, design engineer. I wouldn't call me a good developer. I understand development, but I'm not really like, you know, like you, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, I would consider you to be a developer. Uh, work pretty well as a team for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Everything. But both of us are going on this DevNet track, both getting it. Because it seems like that's the way that network engineering is going, I think. The expert just dropped like a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I, we're, we're, we're like halfway through the professional. You're about to take the test. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then it's going to be me and, and our other partner, our uh, Austin, you know, compatriot. Yep, yep. Um, but then, you know, we're going to be going after it, so... There's probably going to be some more content coming up about like DevNet, uh, DevNet professional, DevNet expert, and kind of what that all means and what yeah. that what that's like uh, within the next like three months to a year. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how that test turns out because I think we talked about you know the associate hit kind of high level on a lot of topics and then just like a real real deep dive into REST APIs. Yeah, which REST APIs are important, so I understand some focus there, but it was almost like a disproportionate amount of material was REST APIs. So I'm wondering, you know, is there going to be something like that on this test? And if so, what do they pick? Yeah. So, you know, I I would say on the associate, yeah, REST API is probably the most important thing, you know, outside of just the test, like the material. If you're going to try and make this bridge into development, you have to have some way to interface with things. You have to have APIs. So they want to make sure you understand that. But going through, like, the book material... I didn't think there was like a big standout in the professional of like what if there was one thing you knew about this, what would it be? So I'm interested to see if that professional test still has like one topic it really, really focuses on or if it's going to still be like a little bit more general. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking that this version, this version and this particular one, the core test Mm -hmm. is going to probably be more general. Because you don't have that for the CCNA version, the DevNet Associate. That's true. Yeah, the professionals do have that specialty exam, the second yeah. one. So I think I think that that's where you're going to get that focus. That is my understanding, and that's what I'm betting on, but I'm not going to put money on it because, mm-hmm. you know, weird things happen. So, yeah, we'll have more content on DevNet coming out uh, as we talk. Probably most of that's going to come out in season five <laughs> because we'll have recorded most of season four and have gotten through like be in the middle of our testing and we won't really have a have like the ability to like go back and say this is what this was like yeah. until season five but we will have some content coming out uh once that happens otherwise um this has been season four episode 18 of the beer and broadband podcast thank you so much for listening we have a patreon and a twitter We'd love for you to engage with us there. Um, you know, we really appreciate our patron supporters and the, the people that give us feedback. Um, the last couple of episodes, we had some feedback that our volume was a little low. Hopefully, we've corrected that. If it's still low, please let us know because we have adjusted things, but we think we're at the right volume at this point. Otherwise, thanks so, so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.